Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome in, everybody. This is the Falcons podcast. I am your host, Scott Kennedy. And my co-host, Nick Kendall, is coming in from dad duty as we speak. I see him showing up right now. I will bring him in. I am in Atlanta. Nick over here is in Seattle. So we're, we're coast to coast here. He gets up bright and early or stays up as, as it may be, depending on with a, where are we now? We're almost at one month, aren't we? Four Just weeks? a little past. Yeah, a little past. Past four weeks old? Yep. So he's coming up. Uh, he was four weeks on sunday so yeah he's doing well he's sleeping a little bit better but uh we're reaching the really gassy spit up stage which is uh <laughs> i'm still in that stage honestly yeah, but i know it, <laughs> it's uh no it's a lot of fun he's uh hasn't really started tracking yet movement but uh, he's locking on to you when you're feeding him which is just mind-blowing just kind of day by day how much he's changing and growing yeah. so it's it, uh, just, it's it keeps getting better nick it really does it, I mean, it's cool, and then it just keeps getting better, and you just slow down. The first time I caught myself saying, man, I can't wait until. Yes, you can. You can absolutely freaking wait because you're going to blink twice, and he's going to be out of the house. Um, I turned my gain down just a little bit, so in the comments, let me know if my sound is okay. I was catching a little reverb on when I was re-listening, and I didn't like the way it sounded, so let me know if, uh, if, it's, if it sounds a little hot or uh, a, little, a little too low, a little too high. I, I take I take criticism. I take constructive criticism. Um, lots to go over today. Raheem Morris had an hour, a little bit over an hour press conference. And frankly, Nick, the man won the press conference. Uh, for whatever that's worth, when we talk about guys who interview and who interview well, and, and oh, he must have really blown him away. I can see why Raheem Morris would interview well. I he's He's got me excited. I'm a 50-year-old Atlanta guy. I don't get excited about anything. But uh, I'm, I'm ready to go play for this guy. So we'll get into some of that. We'll get into some of the things he said. Uh, the quarterbacks, Kyle Pitts. Well, uh, we might hit on Quinn. I saw someone else mention Quinn in here. So a lot of things I wanted to talk about. There's already comments on here. So we'll use those as segues. But we want to say hello to some folks that have come in nice and early, like John Harrell. He's coming over on YouTube. He says, good morning, Scott, Nick, and the boys. And the ladies, if they happen to be here. This is a kind of a male-dominated show, but... Uh, you know, we like we like football women, like 50% of the NFL, probably more now that Taylor Smith is involved, is uh is is women. It was like 48 to 52 percent for NFL fans. It was a very split demographic, and it might be leaning the other way in Kansas City right now. Ah, Taylor Swift Mania. I don't know, I don't subscribe to all the weird conspiracy theory stuff, but I uh, mean she's definitely bringing new eyeballs onto the game and uh that can be a good thing. It's just why did it have to be the bleeping Chiefs, man? I'm so tired of the Chiefs. Like, couldn't why couldn't she have been dated like Jared Goff or something? That would that have been a lot of fun. We could give Detroit a little shine. Not the Chiefs. Yeah. They've they've had enough. It's already too good there. Yeah, they didn't actually need it. And the uh, the the NFL doesn't need it. someone said, Oh, I saw a comment on here. I, I posted Travis Kelsey video yesterday. I saw a comment saying, Oh, the ratings were falling, so they needed a bump. I'm like, what? Like the NFL's not going anywhere, y'all. It's a freaking behemoth. Michael Rand Red Swarm says good morning. Cheers with the coffee. Michael Rankio, he's up bright and early with us. Says good morning, Scott and Nick on the Falcons podcast. Miss, my swanker has a nice early question. 
says, do you think we trade up for a franchise quarterback or trade down for a future quarterback in the draft or stay put at number eight and draft a quarterback or make a trade and get a quarterback or free agency? That's what I'm thinking of. I'm like, those, those are the options. And Nick, one of the more interesting things that's happened this week when talking about the quarterback, you know whose name was never mentioned once in about six questions about getting the next quarterback in Atlanta? Desmond Ritter. Desmond Ritter's name was not mentioned. The other part, uh, Arthur Smith introduced, or I'm not even sure how it came about. I just it started coming to me about you know what he's done. He's like, yeah, I've worked some with some good quarterbacks. Uh, you know, I've worked with some guys like Ryan Tannehill and Matt Ryan and some other young quarterbacks. It's like Desmond Ritter is all of a sudden just falling off the face of the earth. Um, it, it it was bad. It was bad last year. No one wants to claim Desmond Ritter. I mean, I've said it on here before in other shows. If you are a day two picket quarterback, if you are ever given a shot, which is not a guarantee as a day two quarterback, you better run with it because this this is the NFL. It's a results business, and teams are not married to your success like a first-round pick or a big veteran they signed. They're not going to give you every opportunity to go out there and do it. So Desmond Ritter, I mean, it's possible as far as a starter, his son might have already set in the NFL. Those windows and those opportunities are small. Though it's the, You might have a chance to you know, stick around. I think he can be a really good backup quarterback. Don't get me wrong. But as far as a starter, I don't know. So uh, we'll see. I think still no. you want you're happy to have him on his rookie contract, though. Yeah, like I've said, he's cheap, and he's got some experience. There's no reason not to have him on the roster. Um, you could do worse at the backup position. Um, and if he takes the next step and wins out a job and becomes that, but he's got to, he would have to progress massively to become that guy. But if he does, so be it. So he'll, he'll get to stick around in the league for a little bit longer. So he will get his opportunities, but he's never going to have one gifted to him like he did last year, which cost some guys their jobs. Uh, but do we think Mike Swanker, the answer on this one is I don't know. I really don't. We can get into this. Uh, we will get into this about several of the options that are available. But what was interesting to me was you you cannot come out of that press conference and think anything other than what we've been saying for the last six months is that the Atlanta Falcons are going in big for a quarterback in 2024. Whether they get that guy is a different story because there's lots of teams there's several of them that are going to be going in big for a quarterback i think the hardest one of these my swanker is going to be to trade up i think the hardest one's going to be to try and get up in the top three to get Jaden daniels drake may or uh caleb williams i think those are the three that are most untouchable right now as far as the uh the ones that are available because technically they are um kirk cousins is a free agent that he's available if the Bears draft Caleb Williams and Justin Fields is available. So of the three most, the three guys that are available, I think those are the three most untouchable, Nick. On a table. Uh, yeah, I think that anything can happen still. I think, and maybe not anything. I don't see the Falcons' ability to get up to number one. I think that if it's probably Caleb Williams there. Uh, so we'll see about that. But if the commanders end up taking Jaden Daniels instead of, Drake may because of the cliff Kingsbury air raid stuff there. They want maybe somebody that's, you know, 10 personnel and then can tuck and run if that first reads not there rather than, you know, staying in the pocket, surveying the whole field, you know, more of prototype, uh, then maybe Drake may falls to three. Although I think if may falls to three, then it is, uh, probably a quarterback there as well. So I, I, quarterback I, no, either, I think it's quarterback no matter what. 
I've only heard question is, is okay. Does Jared Mayo hate the available quarterback and wants to get it gets, you know, a Randy Moss, you know, when Randy Moss was in new England, Tom Brady threw 50 touchdown passes that year, I think, um, and get that guy. But then what's it going to cost? It's going to cost you three first round draft picks or, um, let me see. It was, uh, you know, Swanker followed up. He says, would it be possible to use Pitts in a trade or maybe AJ Terrell? Yeah, it would be. Uh, we can get into that also here in a little bit. Victor says, good morning, guys. You think that if we trade up the top three, I, I've already, I'm on record saying I don't think anybody's trading up the top three. Um, I think the three teams in the top three all need a quarterback. I don't think they're going to give that spot up. If I think that if there's any trades, Nick, it might be within the top three. You know, one and three switch or whatnot. And and still, and even with that, it would mean I think that that um the Bears are keeping fields. And I don't think the Bears are keeping fields. They want their quarterback on a new contract and to kind of reset everything so that they can have a rookie contract and fire their coach next year after firing all of the coaching staff this year and start over in 2025. Uh Victor says uh you know, would it be before free agency if you were to make that trade? Um, no. I think if you were to make that trade, it would be after free agency, and it would be because you didn't get your quarterback, and now you need to overpay to get into that. So I think if there's a trade, it would become week of draft. It would become before. Free, it would become after free agency because if you're going to try and go after a guy, then you're not as desperate. You you wouldn't necessarily want to trade up if you go and get Russell Wilson or spend on Kirk Cousins. Yeah, typically you see that move happen around pro days slash the combine uh, for those big moves up where, okay, we like any of the top three. We're fine moving up to number three. I think it was almost. But that is before free agency. The pro days? Combine is. I've okay. Yeah, that's Combine's right. End of February. So that's when the groundwork starts happening. But I think the last couple of times you see those moves happen, they had been surrounding like pro days and whatnot. So there was Zach Wilson pro day. And then I think the very next day, the 49ers traded up to three. Cause they're like, we'd be happy with Wilson or Trey Lance uh, or Mac Jones, I guess. But uh, definitely I don't see it happening before free agency. Unless, I mean, you're, they're working the deals right now. There's no doubt. Uh, they're already on the phones. A lot of teams are trying to do that. They're laying the groundwork saying, okay, what it'll take. Okay. We'll get back to you. Oh, we want to see how a few things play out, but there's always the possibility that you throw something out there and like, you know what? We like that. We'll jump on it. So probably not going to happen before free agency, but never say never. Uh, there's probably a lot of irons in the fire right now for the Falcons at quarterback. Yeah, there's lots of what five different avenues, including, okay, you're going to stick with what you've got. That's the least likely. Um, yeah. I think he'll still be there. I think Desmond Ritter's on this roster next year. Yeah. Um, Greg, good to see you. Greg Custom Kicks with a Z coming in with a super chat. Thank you, my friend. Breaking the ice for us this morning. Remember the most direct way to support the stuff that, that Nick and I do on these channels is just like Greg did with a super chat or stars on Facebook. He definitely had me ready to get my Jersey and go play. If he pulls this off and brings a winning culture back to Atlanta, who gives a damn about his past woes. And, and he was asked about it again. That was 15 years ago. It was, he was asked about it several times, you know, what's the difference between now and then. And he kind of had his big smile. His teeth are perfect, by the way. He, I mean, he looked like a mafia guy in that, in that suit. Like I posted the picture on the on the Facebook channel. I was like, "Damn, he!" I didn't say he looks good, but I said that looks good. He looked good. I wish I looked like that in a suit. Um, he says, uh, "You know," he says, "You know," at thirty two, and he flashed this big grin. He goes, "You got all the answers. You know everything." 
you know, so it's, it's a humbling. The more you learn, the less, you know, that's, it's one of those things. Well, you know, I, I said it from the beginning, Greg, I said it last year during the coaching search for different teams about Raheem Morris. And I compared him to Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin is, was cocky, brash, arrogant, born on third base, thought he hit a triple and then flamed out mightily was humbled, came back and showed that he's a pretty damn good coach. What was he down at FIU or FAU or something? Florida International, I think. I think so. And then did well down there, and he's been doing really well at Ole Miss. Raheem Morris, cocky, brash, arrogant, down at 32, 33-year-old kid down at Tampa Bay. Uh, flames out. But how do you get a shot like that, especially as a young black man as, as, at, at 32 years old, unless you're pretty damn sharp? He just wasn't ready for it. Well, now you've got the brains and the skill and the talent with the experience. Maybe you got something, Greg. Maybe you do. Yeah, he was impressive yesterday. All reports are he was extremely impressive in the interview process. And I wouldn't say he's, you know, worldly is probably the wrong word. Experience is a good one, too. But he's seen things. He's been able to rub elbows with a lot of different good football minds on both sides of the football. So he should be a problem solver on this team now. Is he going to be an innovator? Is that the type of coach he can be? You know, not every single coach is that innovator at the end of the day. It's kind of hard to answer until we see it out there. Like uh, we can say Vic Fangio has been an innovator. Uh, Spagnolo at Kansas City has been an innovator as of late. Uh, obviously, Mike uh, McDonald out there in Seattle now has been an innovator. What are we going to see? Are we going to see any innovation schematic wise from Mickey Morris? Doesn't have to be that guy to be yeah, a successful and see, that's, coach. That's kind of what I'm thinking of, Nick, is I, I don't think you have to reinvent the wheel to, to win. You know? No, it does help to have answers. Um, and right. one thing is a lot of things, I think we've talked about it before, things are cyclical. There's never anything that's actually truly, truly new. Uh, it's just like new new ways and new players to utilize past concepts and finding those players and putting them in the best spots to succeed. So he's, again, seen things, has a lot of different ideas and backgrounds where he's going to hopefully be able to put guys in position to succeed and uh, really give you a good chance in the uh NFC South, probably more of a CEO type in the end, but excited to see what he can do. And also, again, I've said it on this show a lot of times, not enough credit or thought is put into the head coaching cycles with the staff they put around them. He, Because he's had so much experience with different staffs on both sides of the ball, people are going to know Raheem Morris. Sounds like people really like Raheem Morris. Sounds like people would like to work with Raheem Morris. So the staff that you're able to get around them is a huge part of that head coaching higher end. Raheem Morris is probably going to be able to get a pretty good one around him already done for the most part and uh that was one of my notes to talk a little bit about the staff oblivion empire says what's good what's good is the staff that raheem morris has been able to put against uh, around him if i'm looking at the atlanta coaching staff from last year there's two guys well ryan nielsen's out i wouldn't mind keeping ryan nielsen too um but two guys that for me were the main guys i wanted to stick around wayne ledford offensive line coach and Jerry Gray, defensive back coach. Uh, they will have similar roles, but then you get an elevation in title that, that goes with it. Uh, they're still there. Those, those were huge hires. And you can talk about, I can't remember if it's Marcus Robinson, I apologize, a special teams coordinator um, stuck around. That usually comes down to, are you kicking? You know, that comes down to usually like you're punting. Um, you know, do you have a good kicker and, you know, do you have good punt coverage? Cause you're kicking it out of the back of the end zone every time, <laughs> um, is what that usually boils down to. Cause you know, onside kicks are a thing of the past, but you know, punt punting and punt coverage are huge. Um, and then, you know, young way 
let's not play for 53 yard field goals every time. Let's let's see if we can get a little closer every now and then. Uh, but that's good. And, and uh, a cool moment in the press conference, um, Terry Fontenot and, and Raheem Morris talking about how Terry is such a student of the game. He says, I used to watch your press conferences in Tampa. And he said he had a really good saying. He says, you know, it, it's, it's a mentality before it's a reality. And Raheem was like, damn, I did say that. That's cool. That is cool. I was like, I started thinking, I was like, I want a shirt for that. I want to give it to my kid. This is kids, both of them. It's a mentality before it's a reality. And, um, you know, as I'm watching, as I'm watching uh, mine get up at 6 a.m. to go to morning workouts and staying after and going into field days and stuff and all these overprivileged athletes, and you see how much work they have to put in, dude, they earn it. But you've got to go in and earn it. That was very cool. Silas Draven, good morning, everyone. Good morning, Silas. Good to see you. I feel like it's been a little bit. Um, but uh, good to have him here. Mike Balls. Good morning, Scott. Adam Schefter thinks the Bears will get at least a second rounder for Fields. Would you pull the trigger for Atlanta? I wouldn't give more than a third. What do you think? Because I said he'd be worth a first rounder through a lot of the middle of the season. I said that someone out there, that the Bears could probably get a first rounder for Fields uh, because of the teams, because of the quarterback craze. Um, what are the odds? What do you think? What would you pay for him as a quarterback needy team in Atlanta, knowing you might be going up against Arthur Smith and the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, among others. The Denver Broncos, you know, nice cheap quarterback. Um, there's going to be Fields is going to have a market. Mm -hmm. I, he's had issues playing on time. He's had issues playing uh, over the middle of the field, and probably more importantly, only one year left of contractual control. Probably not extending that fifth year option on him, and been injury prone. Uh, missed a lot of time due to various dings and bruises uh so that all to me says day two pick i kind of I've, I've said from i think the beginning you're kind of looking similar to the uh sam darnold jets to carolina package which i believe was a two and a three it was a second second I think it was uh, just a second I, I could be wrong on that but i thought it was just a second so i think probably you're talking about a second it could be where it's a third and then a i really i if i was a general manager i'd be using conditional picks left and right where it's like okay well you get the third now and uh for 2025 you can get a fourth or four or three depending on if we assign them or it hits these you know starting marks or anything like that so uh that's probably what i would do but i think you know at least a second rounder makes sense i think probably a second or an early third plus a future conditional pick is the the it was a two and a four and then i think they made the mistake of immediately picking up his fifth year option Yep. which was 20 million guaranteed. I would have rather, and I've said this before, Mike, and Falcons fans, if you make this trade for him, do you pick up his fifth-year option? No. No, you don't. His fifth-year option somewhere in the neighborhood. I've got this bookmarked. Um, but it's it's 20-plus. His fifth-year option as the as a quarterback, the 11 overall pick, his fifth-year option is 22 million. Okay? I don't want to be guaranteed 22 million. It's enough that I would give up a second round pick and if, if Calvin Ridley gets re-signed by the Jaguars and that third becomes a second I got no problem sending that second for Justin Fields I've already got one that's bonus and frankly Nick I didn't notice it one of our viewers did thank you very much PFF doesn't have that pick in the uh in the mock draft simulator so we missed out on a third that could mm -hmm. be a second when we did our, our mock draft on Monday um if that if, if I've got two seconds, I'd send one of those for Justin Fields, and I would not pick up his fifth year option of twenty three million. I'd make him earn it. Um, 
what's his his number right now? I don't know what it is. It's it's similar. It's less than Kyle Pitts this year. I won't get into all that again about fifth year options and and stuff. I won't get into that right now. But I would risk and gamble that he has the type of season that I would have to go pay him double that because you know what? It'd be worth it or, or 30 million, 35 million, get him a Daniel Jones. I would take that risk because if he plays like a quarterback that is worth a 30 to $40 million contract in 2025, this team's in the playoffs. They are absolutely in the playoffs. That's worth the risk to me. I'll, I'll, I'll risk it. It's like, listen, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give you an option. I'm not going to pick up your option. I'm going to give you the opportunity to make double that. Go earn it, kid. Go, go, go take it. Where is he in the rank of options for you this offseason? So, like, obviously, I think number one would be moving up for a May or Daniels. Yeah, getting getting one of the top three would be my favorite option. Um, it's it's interesting, and we could we'll get into all of this stuff. If if Arthur Smith was here and it was a win now quarterback. And you you had to go draft. If I had to draft a guy to win right now, I would probably go Bo Nix. I think he is the most ready, the most outside of the top three. Ceiling or feel like they're about that far apart. You you mean outside the top three, though, right? Yeah, outside of the top three. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, outside of the top three, who I I've kind of put out of play in a box. The most win now quarterback right now for me is probably in the draft is probably Bo Nix. I think he's just kind of robotic, kind of automatic. Um, the arm strength bothers me about the upside, but when you see him get in there, it's like, okay, good processing, good field vision, good accuracy, good size, good athleticism. Okay. I, I need all of that right now. I need all of that right now. With Raheem Morris, knowing that you don't have to, you know, it's not, he's not going to get fired after one year unless something just goes completely off the rails. I'd rather go with the 21 year old with a bigger arm. I'd rather go JJ McCarthy. If I had to take one at eight, frankly, I'd rather trade down. Um, would I rather use a second on Justin Fields? What I might like doing is signing Russell Wilson for nothing and then drafting a quarterback in on day two in the second round. Take my favorite guy of day two. Um, there's a mock draft that we've that we can go out there. It's on the 33rd team. Um I can drop it in the chat, but it's it's two rounds, and it was post-Senior Bowl, and it's got Bo Nix at 39 and Michael Penix at 42. Oh, I'd be happy with that. I wouldn't mind signing Russell Wilson for nothing and getting one of those two in the second. I, I, I could be pretty happy with that. Kirk Cousins scares the crap out of me because of his age, his price, and his injury. Yeah. All three of those things. Yeah, I mean, if it was money was no object, you know, trying to win one game, probably Kirk Cousins, but it does depend a lot on the injury history. Also with Robinson, I mean, is is there a certain style of quarterback you're looking for uh, there? Is it going to be more of the pocket centric quarterback in the I mean, Matt Stafford's a trick shot king. So I don't know if he's the the archetype that you can get here, but, you know, Jared Goff. You know, cerebral pocket, not always the best under pressure, but, you know, hits the back foot and knows where to go with the football. There's value to that. So I it'll be really interesting. It's not going to be Ritter unless everything goes totally wrong here. I do think that Russell Wilson makes a lot of sense for where you're at. But again, is Russell Wilson, I think Russell Wilson made a lot more sense for Arthur Smith. Does he make as much sense for Robinson? I just that adds a, a different level of complexity to this evaluation. Yep. 
I like the price and you've got no problem benching Russell Wilson if you need to. Yeah. You know, because he's coming in for a million five. Oh, you better um, be careful because the PR from his side is going to, you know, paint you to too be bad. You really that's already the, the number Broncos already took that. Yeah, they, yeah. they've already ta- they've already taken that bad hit. It wouldn't mean anything with the, the his next team will be under no pressure obligation to do anything with Russell yeah. Wilson. So therefore, he is a zero. Russell Wilson is a zero risk opportunity for a team. I like that. I like mm-hmm. that. Robbie Rez says, Mister Mister Kennedy. Um, I think I've told y'all before. I turned that uh, Mr. Kennedy into a walk-up theme for my son for his baseball, you know, number four, and then throw in Mr. Kennedy, and then it goes right into Peyote's boom. It's it's pretty cool. It's it's a little over the top though, so I may only do that like his senior year or something one time. Um, Evan, this was one of my notes also. Good to see you, Evan. Um, appreciate you being here today. He says, good morning. While Dan Quinn was in Washington recycling his old stuff about brotherhood and energy, I couldn't help but watch Raheem and be excited about the future of the franchise. Next up, find a QB. And like I said, Raheem Morris won the press conference. For whatever that's worth, he won it. And Dan Quinn, my buddy's texting me. He's like, he's like, they're playing Dan Quinn's press conference over Atlanta radio, and it's it's hilarious. And uh, I always think, they said, they're calling him Sergeant Slogan on here. And, uh, you know, I always think back to, you know, teach me something else from Bull Durham. Teach me something else. All right, you got to learn your cliches. You got to love them. They're your friends. You can see why Dan Quinn may not have aced the interview process quite the same as as Raheem Morris. Now, is that going to win games? No, it's not. But I'll tell you what, um, I like what I've seen from Raheem Morris up to this point, including the staff. I mean, that's the, the biggest thing he needed to do, as you said right now, Nick, was a staff. You go Jimmy Lake, you keep Jerry Gray, you keep Dwayne Ledford, the offensive line coach, you bring in Zach Robinson. You get, basically got your number one choices at all of your positions. Nice. Yeah, I mean, it's really hard with the coaching staff too, right? You don't really know until you know. I remember a year ago, definitely I will, you know, be accountable and say that, hey man, I really kind of like what Carolina's looking like here. You got this coach and this coach and this coach. And then it all falls apart. They deal with adversity and they kind of go into silos and finger pointing and it just absolutely devolves into a horrific season for Carolina. So for coaching staffs, you don't really know until they've been had to deal with adver- adversity. And at the end of the day, it's about the guys on the field, not as much the uh, the coaching staff at the NFL level. Uh, but I digress. I, it looks like it to be a really good coaching staff. There's no reason to not be optimistic other than t- uh, to the extent of we still want to see the results at the end of the day. It's okay to pump the brakes a little bit, but definitely yeah. should be optimistic about the group. Everything that we have information wise, access wise, sounds like people in the know, people that know these people are really excited about them and uh, Falcons fans should be as well. Well, and the idea that they know they have to go get a quarterback now, whether they can or not, but, and again, I, I don't want to just completely discount Desmond Ritter. I'm not going to just, wheelchair him off they're talking about Kirk Cousins and wheelchairs I'm not just going to throw him off the cliff mm-hmm. no let him if he takes that leap if, if he gets that rookie year which was what it was last year because they didn't play him his rookie season until a couple garbage games at the end and no preseason if he progresses and becomes the guy great that would be the best case scenario you spent I think back to was it Matt Flynn Got the big contract from Seattle. They bring in a second-round rookie in Russell Wilson. I think he was second round. Third round. Third-round rookie, and the third-round rookie beats him in, and you put your expensive guy on the bench. Fine. We don't care. Mm-hmm. 
we don't we don't care. I mean, some people do. Some people are fans of players and not. Uh, and we saw that with Russell Wilson. Some people are, are are fans of players and not teams. That doesn't really go for it in here. Now, there's some people that'll say, I don't even want to see it because I'm so convinced. Well, at the end of the day, you don't care who's playing well. You just want to see him playing well. Think about the only time I didn't feel like that was D'Angelo Hall. I think he's the only Falcon in the history of Falcons I've rooted actively rooted against because he was such a turd in Atlanta. <laughs> Edward Brown comes in. Is Daniil Hunter an unrestricted free agent? Yes, he is. And if so, what kind of contract do you think he will be looking for in the open market? Nick, um, I'll let you give some uh, give some thoughts on this, and then I'm going to look up some actual numbers. I think he's probably somebody, given his injury history, might take a little bit less on the surface of APY, uh, average per year looking for more guarantees. And I think teams might be the other end where they're like, okay, we'll give you a sticker price might be higher, but the uh, actual guarantees might be a little lower. So I'm guessing I'll probably end with a top 12 level edge rusher contract, whatever that looks like. I don't know the specifics of the position by position, but top 12 makes sense. Uh, The cap is exploding, especially with all the streaming stuff coming down the line here pretty soon in the new TV deals. So uh, top 12 would be my expectation. But at the end of the day for Daniel Hunter, given his injury history, it's going to be those guarantees that are the uh, the kicker. There's a there's a decent drop off from Von Miller to Harold Landry at eleven to twelve, from twenty to seventeen and a half. I'm um, guessing probably eighteen and a half. Yeah, Nick Bosa is up there at thirty four. Then there's a big drop off to T.J. Watt, and then Joey Bosa is at twenty seven. Thank you, Mister and Mrs. Bosa. Yeah. Uh, and then Miles Garrett at twenty five, and then there's really kind of a lump in there down to Trey Hendrickson at twenty one. So 20, okay, total at, at 10 and Vaughn's at 20. It wouldn't totally surprise me to see him in that 21, 22 range. Yeah. So let's call it a three year, $65 million deal with 40 guaranteed. That sounds pretty good. I, that medical a two year, 20 million a year deal. Yeah. He's going to have to pass physicals, uh, mm-hmm. which is going to be a concern from another. I think there's a knee concern for him, uh, but He's going to be wanted. I think on the surface right now, uh, he wouldn't be my first edge on the market. That would be one Josh Allen uh, from Jacksonville. We'll see if he gets out from there. I don't know if that'll happen. Uh, but yeah, Daniel Hunter, probably that makes a lot of sense. 18.5 to 22 million per year and uh, 60 to 65% of it guaranteed. I mean, it just makes sense. Uh, appreciate you, Edward. Thank you for the super chat, my friend. I'm, I'm with Paul Ingram. Uh, I'm not going to show it because it'll take me a while to find it. I'm just going to read it. But Paul over on Facebook says, as you enter the stadium, you drop your name in a box. If you want to play quarterback that day, uh, if your name is drawn, you start for the Falcons. Millions of dollars saved. Same results. Well, the Minnesota Vikings pulled that off in Atlanta last year. They, they brought a guy in off the Marta train in the middle of the first quarter and uh, and, and brought in Josh Dobbs. Like, hey, Josh Dobbs just got here. Put him in beat the Falcons. Uh. <laughs> so I felt about that one. Marco Z, I appreciate you. He says best Falcons content in the world. Well, thank you, my friend. There's a lot of, a lot of good guys out there doing this stuff. And it's, it's fun that it's, it's more of a collaborative effort amongst content providers. When I first started doing this type of thing, the internet was just getting going and there was like two, two sites rivals. And that was the scout was the insider's end doing team-based stuff and man they were at their throats because they're competing for publishers and now it's big enough for all of us man you know so we, we appreciate so you know check them out um go get the out of your falcon minds and smitty and um and all those guys good dudes 
Um, but he asked, would you trade next year's first Algier, Tyler Algier, Kyle Pitts to move for the first pick? I would trade this year's first, next year's first, Tyler Algier and Kyle Pitts for the first, and the Chicago Bears would still laugh at me. I mean, it depends on what they think of Kyle Pitts. They do already have a pretty good uh, tight end there in Cole Komet, uh, but Kyle Pitts is in you know wide receiver, tight end hybrid. That's kind of different than any piece they have right now. So, uh, yeah, what do you think, Algier? I mean, let's break this down. What is Algier worth getting for you right now? A fourth round pick, maybe. I mean, he's a good running back, but he's you know two years down the hole now, and he is a running back. So you're probably talking a fourth round pick, which is great because you spend a fifth and you have less years of control. So that's a great pick. Um, you, I mean, you remember Scott, I was, we were dancing mm-hmm. up and down when they took him. We loved that pick. Uh, Kyle Pitts probably worth a third right now, maybe a late second. Cause he is still exceedingly young. You're talking about a pro bowl tight end. He did dealt with an injury la- uh, two seasons ago. So I think you probably, if you tossed in this year's first next year's first, a second round pick this year in those two players, maybe they pick up the phone. I think you probably still have to squeeze out a little bit more uh, at the end of the day, but there's a possibility where you can hold on to that 2026 first. The issue is you're going to be competing with the giants, with the commanders, with the Patriots, with the Vikings, with the Broncos, with a bunch of teams uh, that would love to come up too. So it's not just what is precedent uh, for trading up to number one. It's what are these other teams offering and can you beat that? Here's the thing about potential that is scary about this Marco Z and Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts is younger than both Bo Nix and Michael Penix, two quarterbacks in this draft, considerably younger. Um, it's like six months on one and four months on the other one. He's 23. He'll turn 24 uh, in September. He started the season at 20. If he had played the last three seasons with the Florida Gators in college instead of as a 21, 22, 23-year-old man, instead of with the Atlanta Falcons, where would we be talking about him being drafted this year? Uh, Top five again? Maybe. Probably. You know? It's a, maybe. It's a really good class in terms of – it was a good class then too, but yeah. it's good in the – man, I don't know. Maybe he'd still be up there. Uh, I think people <laughs> – But it's a real good question. And, and, it's hard and see, to, That's where I start talking about Justin Fields. Justin Fields is only a year older – than than Bo Nix and Michael Penix. Now, we've seen him in the NFL, but what if he had been playing college football in one of these, in the Pac-12 for the last three years instead of playing with the Chicago Bears? He would have put up Tecmo Bowl numbers. And and we'd be talking, I mean, Lamar Jackson was like that at Louisville. And I, I feel like it was like fatigue. It's like, oh, th- this, this, this isn't really real. We're not going to pay attention to him anymore because he was so good. Should have paid a little more attention. Uh, instead of letting him draft where he was. Justin Fields would have had numbers like that at this age. Instead, he's in the NFL. Kyle Pitts, so again, sometimes I I tell people, you know, get out of your head a little bit. Your first impression is the right impression because these guys are still, they're babies. There's guys in the draft coming out that are, that there's a lot of guys in the draft coming out that are older than Kyle Pitts. But Kyle Pitts, one of the things, and this is what's going to be interesting, Kyle Pitts was trending after Raheem Morris's press conference because, and I wanted to get into this, so this is as good a time as any, because when he was asked, you know, what are you excited about with this Falcons team? And Raheem Morris goes, that's easy, Drake London. And he kind of paused and he goes, then he goes, uh, Bajan Robinson. 
And then he immediately just went in. So I don't think that was necessarily a slight on Kyle Pitts. And he goes, this man sitting next to me, Terry Fontenot, has done a great job of acquiring pieces, talented pieces of the offense that we can go and win with right away. I'm paraphrasing here. But he kind of rolled into it, you know. So Kyle Pitts, all of a sudden, by omission, was out, according to Twitter. You know, according to Twix. Oh, Raheem Morris doesn't like Kyle Pitts. I didn't read it that way. But Nick, could we? Could could we look at it and say maybe Kyle Pitts is a trade piece this offseason or is one of the things, because they just hired a new tight end coach too from the San Diego San Diego Chargers. That didn't take long. From the LA Chargers, uh, Koger, I think is who it was. They just hired a new tight ends coach. Is one of the things that this team needs to do to be successful is to get a tune out of Kyle Pitts. I think it, it maybe does say something that he's a little bit of an afterthought, not on the f- – obviously the forefront of the mind when asked about that, I probably at least listen. If somebody calls, I'll be like, okay, well, what would it take uh, to get Kyle Pitts? I'm like, I'm listening. What it, you know, keep saying, and I'll stop you when there's a number I like. Uh, but I don't think they're also going to be actively shopping him. You still have years of control. Tight end typically takes some time. Another year off of that significant knee injury uh, that was dealt at the hands of uh, Eddie Jackson and the Bears a couple seasons ago. So, uh, sorry, Scott had to twisty a little bit on that one uh did he won uh i think he was walter payton man of the year for the bears if i'm not mistaken but the i digress that's, that's... all right soapbox for one second we need like sound effects like soapbox you can't go after anybody's knees anywhere on the field except in the defensive backfield when their back is turned and they're catching a ball that's that's got to change it's got to change i mean again when owners start seeing their $20 million receivers go down, that's how things get changed. People are like, oh, you know, the game's gotten soft. Man, when you got $40 million into a quarterback, you don't want to see him being pile-driven into the ground. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's an investment. And that type of tackle that ended Kyle Pitts' season and, and slowed him down this year needs to be taken out of the game. You can't, you can't block somebody like that. You can't. You can't hit quarterbacks like that. You should not be able to hit somebody low from behind like that uh, out out in the open field. Anyway, off soapbox. I just I had to do it to you. Sorry, uh, <laughs> but uh, I would be listening uh, without a doubt, given this the where he's at right now. But if somebody wanted, you know, let's say, offered a second round pick for him and a future three, okay, that's that's a, we're talking the same price as Justin Fields there. Uh, so I would be interested there, but I don't know if you're going to get that value with what he's shown so far, where he's at still an extremely talented player, probably more valuable on your roster, still hoping that he can figure it out uh, and become more consistent uh, with a new system here uh, mm-hmm. than trade him. So uh, this is a big year for him. I wouldn't say it's make or break because there is so much talent uh, still there, but big season. Uh, Drake. Or, uh, sorry, Drake. I'm going to start calling you Rusty Drake Moore Jr. He's all about Drake. And he says, Drake is worth anything that you would have to give up. Uh, appreciate the super chat, Rusty. Um, just talking about, uh, you know, the trade to trade. I just I just don't think you're going to be able to. I You're only allowed to to trade those guys. And, and uh, you know, I'm going to throw this in with Tyreek's comment over on, uh, on Facebook. He said, would you package AJ Terrell? in a trade if he's going to command 20 million dollars as a free agent off of his off of his fifth year option in 2025 um when you've got a good chance of getting cornerbacks the problem is is if you're moving aj terrell you're probably moving your first round pick also to try and make a trade and then you wouldn't have one to get one of those cornerbacks um would love to have drake may 
So again, going back to Marco Z's question, Alzir Pitts and next year at a 2025 first to move up for Drake May. Yeah, that, but that's not going to get it done. It would take it would take at least two first this year's and next year's and Kyle Pitts to to even get the conversation started. What about put an AJ Terrell in there instead of Kyle Pitts? And that might be tougher. He's more expensive and he's only got one year left on his deal. So it's uh it's it's gonna be tough. The best options for the Falcons are those two guys who are still young and are in to to play really well, give them contract extensions that lower their cap hits. And we could see Terrell's might be done this offseason where he he gets his extension just like Chris Lindstrom did, plays on his fifth year option at about 12, 13 million dollars. And then um going back to the corners, I can't believe Jair Alexander has the number one average salary he he made me angry watching him play in the playoffs as soft as he was i'm like actively avoiding contact i'm like really this is he played like a guy who was 20 million dollars and didn't want to lose it he was getting paid by the game um the number 10 cornerback carlton davis is at 15 darius slay 14 chavarius ward 13 5 xavian howard 18 jalen ramsey 18 i think 15 to 16 is probably about right for AJ. If he if someone wants to offer him 20, I might say, all right. Have, you know, good luck to you. Or I might throw his franchise tag on him too. Um, it's not that much more than what he'd be getting. And then and then try and trade him. I don't think you're gonna let him walk for nothing, Nick. Nah, probably not. Uh probably you're coming with a contract this season, 16 million, probably about the area that I would imagine he ends at the end of the day. He's still a young player, been overall healthy uh, and a top 10 cornerback as Ryan Adonis says, not high on AJ Terrell. He's in a star. Uh, he's just the ideal height. If anything, I mean, he's a, he's a good cornerback. I, uh, I will be curious to see what Raheem Morris uh, thinks of him, you know, being defensive backs coach for a long time. Uh, so maybe then in the end they do approach him and he doesn't want the, the deal that they're going to offer him. I don't know. We'll see, but he's still a valuable piece uh, for me. The issue with AJ Terrell is not so much AJ Terrell. It is, the pass rush in front of him. Uh, cornerbacks are pretty damn not in not. They lose a lot of value if you can't win up front. And the Falcons have not been able to get home consistently to really accentuate your cornerbacks and allow you to play different types of coverages. Uh, so hard so to evaluate. Said, Nick, let me ask you a question. How good was the Atlanta defensive secondary last year, considering the lack of pass rush? I mean, really good. I, he wasn't the star. Obviously, that was Bates, but he was a damn good player out there, and would be hard to miss. I get that he's not a superstar at cornerback. The other thing with cornerback is that they typically fall off a cliff after about their sixth, seventh season in the league, and he's already going to be, what, year five? So the long-term contract, you might want to be a little bit, you know, weary of paying him anything that's going to extend those cap hits, you know, four or five years down the line. Uh, I, think, but, I think one more deal for him is is would be okay. I think he's still just 27. So, yeah. you know, he's he's he was younger coming out. He wasn't one of those 23-year-olds. So... 27 years old and get him, you know, a deal that that pays him four guaranteed ish. I'll have, I'll have to find the tweets. Uh, Brett uh, Coleman, I think his name. He does a really good, a uh, lot of good YouTube stuff on here. Uh, nice guy, too. I apologize if I butcher his name. I got a uh, lack of sleep, newborn brain here. <laughs> uh, but he uh, had a tweet that said, like, in the last five years, there hasn't been a single all pro cornerback that was under 20 or over 27 years old. And none of them have been beyond their sixth year in the league. Uh, so it's really a young man's 
position. Not like running back where you totally fall off a cliff, but maybe it's just it, cyclical. You know, I mean, I grew up with with uh, with Daryl Green, who played at that level until he was about forty. Um, Daryl yeah. Green again; those are the exceptions. I know, but mm -hmm. when we're talking about all pro, those guys they are exceptions. Yeah. Um, we'll you know, we'll Dion was playing well into his his thirties. You know, Rod Woodson played into his thirties, was playing at that level, and then moved to safety. Um, I don't know about Daryl Revis. I didn't get to watch him he as much off. as I watched the other guys. Uh, how much he fell off or not? But some, just thinking of some of the the truly great corners of you know my lifetime. Yeah. And those are those are what I just named three guys, four guys yeah. that came came to mind. It's a little bit of a different league, though, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we see you guys play. I mean, one example that comes to mind for me that's more recent is Jalen Ramsey. I mean, he was a really, obviously a really good cornerback for a while, but he fell off. I mean, watching that Super Bowl a few years ago where they, they ended up winning, but like Ramsey was getting beat pretty consistently. I was like, oh man, that's not the uh, no doubt number one cornerback Jalen Ramsey that the Rams traded for two first round picks. This is a, a different guy now. So cornerbacks do tend to fall off. Um, I think it was James Palmer too. He did an interview where it's like, yeah, cornerbacks are valuable, but a lot of team builders view them as closers like they're the last one of the last yeah. pieces you add to a roster because their window is much shorter than an edge rusher or an offensive tackle or a wide receiver or obviously a quarterback yeah, uh, like so, a tight end you know is taking a tight end when your team is barren of anything else that would be a final pick arthur perry come on yeah kind of i mean tight ends are a slow developing position a lot of times as well uh i think offensive tackle is the only one that typically takes longer to reach their average uh in the league but or quarterback uh but yeah it's uh it'll be interesting to follow the aj terrell stuff i see that i guess i'm higher than on him and then a lot of the chat when i watch him i think he's very good i don't know if he's super versatile in his coverage like is he a truly great man coverage cornerback or is he more in that cover to cover four mold i that, that's a good question luckily you have a good defensive mind in here and a defensive backs coach multiple now uh, that can put the evaluation goggles on and say, this is what he's worth. Anything more than that, we'll let him walk. Keith and Ellen Johnson, appreciate the stars this morning over on Facebook. He says, good morning, guys. Great news conference. All we need is a QB and some retooling of the defense. Yeah, again, the defense was good enough to be a playoff caliber defense last year. The offense should have been. If you had the, even the 21 and 2022 offenses with that defense, you're a playoff team. But the offense regressed so badly. Uh, I mean, I, I want to say almost inexplicably. But it, it was explainable. You know, there was just it was a bad marriage and, and that's gone. So um, very interested to see what the Falcons do at quarterback because there's so many. It feels like there's so many different ways. And then it also feels like there just aren't enough guys out there that they're for sure going to get a quarterback that is going to be a playoff caliber quarterback or. There's there's limited supply and there's a lot of demand, I guess is what I'm trying to say, because Dave comes in. Good to see you, Dave. Coach, Mor Coach Morris mentioned the word processor several times, among other traits, um, at quarterback several times. Elite processing talent. Which college guy could he be referring to? I mean, any of these guys, you could be questioning that. I guess the one that the processing sometimes I question is Jaden Daniels just because he is so electric as a runner that I felt a lot of times at LSU and I, this was probably very much by design still, but it was a lot of spread concepts, a lot of vertical concepts. And if that first read wasn't there, he hit that back foot, boom, he's taken off. He's looking to be a runner. And I mean, you can't really argue with the results because it led to the Heisman and one of the better 
uh, college offenses we've seen in the last decade. If uh, LSU defense wasn't just atrocious and laughable, that was that could have been a feisty team this season. Uh, but alas, but Jane Daniels, how much does that translate to the NFL game? I mean, we saw it with Lamar Jackson to an extent, but I think Lamar was a much better passer and processor and more developed passer at this point than what we're seeing from Daniels. Daniels is going to be 23. Uh, so I don't know if Daniels fits the, uh, the processor boat. So, so to speak, I think Penix definitely does. I think obviously uh, Drake may and Caleb Williams can as well. Caleb Williams is a little bit more of a chaos merchant again. Is that because the design of the offense, is that because he has to score 50 points in a game uh, to even have a chance with how terrible the offensive line and the defense was for USC this season? I don't know. It's hard to say, but uh, yeah, processing matters. We're in a very much a processing world. Teams are, I think it was you, Scott, that sent it to me. Maybe I sent it to you, but Bobby Slowick had a really good interview about mm-hmm. where offenses are at nowadays. And it's like t- defenses are doing so well at making quarterbacks have to get to their second and third read. They're figuring out that first option, bracketing them and uh, making quarterbacks hold on the ball a little bit longer and get through their progression. So processing is important. The ability to play within the pocket by time as a pocket quarterback, that is super important and areas that um, harder for a younger quarterback most of the time. Chris Walker, looking through my senior bowl coverage on YouTube and Facebook. He says, uh, good morning, Scott and Nick. Happy hump day. I was impressed with Darius Robinson, Braden Fisk, and Gray. Why am I drawing a, a, a blank on Gray? I, In the uh, senior bowl. I would have liked to have seen Rattler play a few more series, though. Um Brady Cook, the Brock Purdy of 2024. Um, Darius Robinson was a beast. And I've now seen him. You, y'all have heard me. If, if you're new here, you'll know I really appreciate the team building that the Baltimore Ravens do. They basically just take the best guy. They take the best player. And if a guy slides for one reason or another, they take him. Oh, the positional value isn't great. Safety, uh, Kyle Hamilton. We don't care. Oh, he's a little raw. Odafa Alway. We don't care. Um, Darius Robinson in the la- the first two mocks I read after the senior bowl, Darius Robinson's going to the Baltimore Ravens. I'm like, there you go. Uh, that's, he's just, it just makes sense that they would get a guy like this six, five, 285 pounds and bouncing around like a pogo stick. Uh, Braden Fisk, interior lineman, um, could be a rotational guy to start. I don't know if he's, he's strong enough up front to, um, to handle the, the first down running downs just right away. But, Really, really quick first step. Um, let me see. I've got my rosters here for for open. Who is Gray? He's not on the American team. National, and I haven't gone through national through my one-on-ones yet. Cedric Gray, linebacker, North Carolina. Okay, that's who it was. I didn't watch, I haven't watched the linebackers hardly at all. And I, I haven't gone through my teams on the national team yet. That's today and tomorrow pros, uh, project. I went through teams on there, and I'll tell you on teams, a couple of guys that stood out when I was watching them to, to keep an eye on. Cornerback Carlton Johnson isn't even in pro football focuses mock draft. He was a freaking blanket. He was all over everybody, maybe a little undersized, about 180 pounds out of Fresno State, but he didn't get invited to the Senior Bowl because he's completely unknown. So somebody knows this guy. Now a lot of people should know him. In the one-on-ones, I didn't really remember him stepping up, you know, standing out as much. And then when I watched all my team stuff and watched all the one-on-ones again looking for defensive players, Nick, he was everywhere. And the other one who really stepped up in teams 
who didn't have wasn't quite as good as a one-on-ones, but when they went to 11 v 11, when I say teams, that's what I mean. 11 v 11 was Layden Robinson, interior lineman guard from Texas A&M, was spectacular on combination blocks, on picking up stunts and late blitzes. Just we talk about brains on an offensive lineman. Layden Robinson looked good, really good for Texas A&M. Was he your guy who blanketed Robinson, uh, held the block for 20 years? No, that one, the one I was talking about there was the wide receiver, was Ryan Flournay. Oh, yes. yes. Was uh, was a six foot, 200 pound receiver from uh, Southeast Missouri State who put, who, who was willing to do the dirty work in an all star game practice to block a 290 pound defensive end and stay with them 15 yards down the field. That's that was a game. that was a wide receiver. That was Southeast yeah. Missouri State's Ryan Flournay. Yes, yes, that is that's all heart, man. Nothing gets me going like a wide receiver blocking. Uh, so that's that. Maybe it's the Iowa Hawkeye in me, where that's the only thing they bring to the table in that offense. Uh, but yeah. Mark Schrader coming in and saying good morning. Good to see you, Mark. Hope you're doing well. Always appreciate you coming. In. Appreciate the uh, the birthday wishes yesterday. Talking about uh, Raheem Morris getting that first job at 32. I'm there now as well, and I can't imagine being an NFL head coach at 32. So uh, I don't know, crazy stuff, but. Excited to see what Raheem Morris can do this go around and appreciate you, Mark. Hope you have a great day. Yeah, I see Lawrence Rivera coming in with some stars too. Um, and Keith and Ellen Johnson came in with some stars. Oh, Lawrence, you were a little before that. Lawrence with some stars says, What up, guys? Have you seen the team that John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan put together through the draft? Um, it's actually pretty amazing. No, I, I haven't seen that, but you know, those guys have been around a while. So they I'm sure they can. Um, we'll have to check it out though. Appreciate the heads up, Lawrence. Appreciate the support. Uh, as well, uh, we're at 53 minutes. I want to, I'll go down to the very end of the chat and start coming up. Ryan Adonis has joined us. Always like to say hello to Ryan. Um, he says, Arthur Smith is going to kill Kenny Pickett's career real fast. I think it's kind of on life support anyway, Ryan. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if the, I did, I did a, I did a couple of pods over the weekend with Steelers guys and you know, I, I, kind of called him out because I'm like, you guys are making it sound like Kenny Pickett's a foregone conclusion for next year. And that's just not how it feels like outside of Pittsburgh. Uh, and he was like, well, until something happens, we're just going to assume that that's what it is. I'm like, because wouldn't that be the height of irony if Justin Fields goes to the Steelers and Arthur Smith after he basically cost him his job in Atlanta? So Kenny's Kenny Pickett's career is on life support as it is, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it's, I mean, as it should be, I could see him being somebody who's traded for, you know, day three pick and getting a chance elsewhere, maybe the Baker Mayfield path, but yeah, he's not been very good in, uh, in Pittsburgh and that the top, the crown jewel of that, uh, terrible 2022 quarterback draft class. Uh, I guess that's not true. Uh, Brock Purdy would be that guy, but uh, the first pick being the crown jewel. So highest rated prospect. Yeah, Jason says Scott Kennedy should be the head of scouting for the Falcons. I'll start a petition. This this is one of those if I knew then type of things. I would have walked on and gotten a year under my belt in college and just kicked something just to have it on the resume in college football and would have been the guy that slept on couches and worked my way up and gotten into a, a front office at one point uh, through, the, through the years. But by the time I really started doing this, started doing this uh, professionally, I was – I don't know, 26 years old, <laughs> married at 27, kind of established because it's a it's a nomad life 
you're you know when you're when you're in this it's a it's a hard life that was one of my favorite things when i was in my 30s doing this like oh if these guys were any good at this they'd be on a team somewhere i'm like dude i make three times much as what this poor guy sleeping on the couch makes and i got a family i can't do this so would i change where things are now no but i did actually write my 18 where are you going to be in 20 years when i was 18 my senior year and i was general manager of the san diego chargers at the time because you know I, I liked eric coriel and that was Miramar and Top Gun around then and uh, all kinds of stuff. So that was uh, that was fun. So um, Bo, the Holy D Show, says good morning. Good to see you. Kenneth is not a fan of Justin Fields because he thinks that quarterback win stats are really all that matters. Awesome Fields is 11 and 29. Ritter is 8 and 9. Great pick. I'd have you go look at Steve Barkowski's record and Archie Manning's record uh, and, and, and see where they are before you decide – that's the way you want to pick a quarterback. Um, Scott Kennedy joining Harbaugh confirmed. If he picked up the phone, I might be able to talk my wife to move him back to California. It'd be a little tougher on the kids, though. So, so we'll see. Joe Cannon comes in. He says, great late morning. Good to see you, Joe. Um, if you've got any questions after the fact, put them in the chat. Um, otherwise, I think we're probably about ready to get out of here. Um, unless you all have any burning questions. Hit him in with a super chat. Otherwise, we're going to call it a day. I'm going to rest my throat. I'm trying not to get whatever is going around my household. And then uh, I'm going to get back to work on my Senior Bowl stuff and start pumping out some videos. I've logged all of the American, all of it, the entire American team, which is the um, the a lot of the Southeastern guys. So I've got the, the offensive line done, which is, let me click on American here which it takes a little bit longer to do those because you have to watch every 11 v 11 about six times. But that's Javion Cohen, Miami, Brandon Coleman, TCU, Jeremy Flax, Kentucky, Javon Foster, Missouri, Delmar Glaves, Tyler Guyton, Christian Haynes is someone to watch. Christian Jones is someone to watch. Uh, Bo Limmer, Patrick Paul, I liked him. Andrew Rame out of Oklahoma, Layden Robinson, I just mentioned him, and Charles Turner of LSU. And then all the defensive linemen, uh, including Chris Braswell and Justin Aboigi. Aboigi, I don't know how to pronounce his name, out of Alabama. So lots coming out. Nick, what are some of your final thoughts? Falcons are in a pretty good spot. I uh, still think the NFC South is pretty weak and up for grabs. You got the third place schedule. You got four top 100 picks, and you're going to have a chance to potentially be within reaching distance, striking distance for a trade up at eight overall because somebody, I think eight is still within the range of a team being willing to trade back. So if somebody slips, you're still in a good spot to go up and get them. If you want to trade back, you can get more picks uh, in this class. It's going to be deep at wide receiver cornerback, uh, which is two areas that this team could add talent without a doubt. And uh, all comes down to that quarterback at the end of the day. But things are things are looking, I think things are looking positive for the Falcons. And we said that last season, but I, I think you should feel pretty good. Maybe it's just me looking at you guys in comparison to where the Broncos are at. Uh, but you're in a good spot overall, even though things didn't work as well this last season. Ryan says, how about Joe Milton? Can we do anything with the big man? Uh, he would be a a hold, you know, draft and hold type of guy. If I already, there was a question there, and I saw it last night about um, Spencer Rattler or Joe Milton. And how I answered this was, I think Spencer Rattler is good enough to actually compete for a spot to compete. If I needed a quarterback and I had Spencer Rattler, needed a starter, I, I think he could actually compete to be a starter next year. Now, he wouldn't be my first choice, probably not even my fourth choice. But if I didn't have a quarterback, I would rather have Spencer Rattler. 
if I already had a quarterback, let's say I'm San Francisco 49ers, I, I would take Joe Milton. And I would I would bet on the upside on this and trying to develop. I've, I've said there's not a whole lot of development that really goes on. Guys progress through experience. Joe Milton would be an exception to that. He needs the he needs a lot of experience. He needs some coaching, developing, etc. But tools wise, he's probably the best quarterback out. It's he's got the best physical traits of the quarterbacks that aren't in the top three. Yeah, that would be available after day two. So, um. I wouldn't expect him to play for two years, but I would take a J3 flyer on him. Absolutely. I miss somehow I miss Jason. I apologize, Jason, with a super sticker. Thank you for coming in with the support on the show, Jason. You always do. So thank you so much. Um, JB says, I'm not trading uh, any picks for Justin Fields. And, and I get that. It, it'll be a polarizing. It's polarizing in Chicago. There's, there's a faction that wants J Justin Fields to stick around. Trade the number one pick for a haul, because if they do, they're going to get six starters out of it, including three first-round draft picks, probably. Mm -hmm. um, Steven has a good question over on Facebook. He says, question, guys. Why can't we get Russell Wilson and draft Dallas Turner and eight, then draft Bo Nix, Penix, or even J.J. McCarthy? Are you? I've been talking for a while. Go ahead. I think that it's definitely a possibility. Uh, Russell Wilson is a bridge quarterback at this point. So you can look at getting a, uh, another quarterback also, since you should have three day two picks. If a JJ McCarthy or a bonex falls, no reason you can't trade up to 25, 27, 33, whatever to go get that guy. If you like them enough. So yeah, it's, it's possible. You can go out there and get your top defensive player in this class, probably at eight overall, uh, whether that be Dallas Turner or potentially his uh, teammate at cornerback in Terry and Arnold, and uh, then go out there and get a quarterback as well. I think you talk about uh, Penix, I think just talking with people more in the know uh, with connections, sounds like Penix is probably more likely to be a round three quarterback than a round one quarterback uh, because of the age, some of the stiffness and the injury concerns with him. Uh, I wouldn't be, honestly, Scott, this might be a hot take, but from talking with people at the senior bowl, there is some, Belief that Rattler uh, could go before Penix uh, in this cycle, so uh, that's you know the potential that dangerous word that gets people mm -hmm. fired, but uh, that's something to watch out for as well. But certainly, yeah, possible. Take the best guy available. I don't even think it has to be Dallas Turner. It could be wide receiver at the end. You know, it could be Roma Dunze uh, or you know Malik Neighbors, and then uh, go get another go get a quarterback because you have flexibility with the cachet of top one hundred picks that you'll have. You know, I don't I don't think that. Spencer Rattler and Russell Wilson are actually bad comps in their style of play. Um, Rattler's just a little bit bigger, but they're both a little Jake the Snake-ish, you know, both freelancing to a certain extent, both a little bit greedy. But but Stephen Womble on this one, I, I think Nick said it, but I think you would need to take two of your day two picks. Either It's either going to be a second and two thirds or two seconds and a third, depending on what happens with Calvin Ridley and Jacksonville. You might have to trade up. I don't think Bo Nix or J.J. McCarthy. Penix might be there, and then you're worried about the the the, the knees and the shoulders. I don't think they're going to be around at 49. I think that's where they end up picking. If might be, I think that's their next pick. Apologies, but I don't think they're going to be there in the second round. So you could take two of those and trade back up and get one of those guys. But absolutely, Russell Wilson is a no cost, no risk option. He will not preclude you. I think that's the right word. Getting him is not going to stop you from trying to get a, a young quarterback too. So you can do both 100%.
Yeah, I haven't you, seen anybody at eight that I really want at quarterback except the top three. So, you know, do you take a guy in the second round? Very possibly. Do you trade? Do you package something back up and get into the back end of the first? Possibly. It's not a bad idea. Yeah, the again, the dark horse there for quarterback at eight has got to be J.J. McCarthy just because the volume of throws that he's asked to make is pretty low in terms of the NFL, them being NFL replicable. I don't know if that's the correct word, translatable. Uh, but it sounds like he's going to test extremely well, uh, has a pretty good arm, and had the most under center true non-play action dropbacks this year, uh, was some of the best on third and seven plus in a style of offense that isn't giving many layups in terms of throwing the football. Now there are layups in terms of, because the, the way they're, they're able to manipulate defenses with the heavy personnel and, you know, get you playing linebackers in space and coverage was always good. And, but it's more of an NFL game than what we saw from the RPO screen centric offense with uh Bo Nix and the not working the middle of the field, everything outside the numbers shotgun centric offense of the uh, Washington Huskies. So it's 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 an interesting conversation. I would not completely rule out JJ McCarthy at eight yet. It feels early, but it's the unknown. It's the potential, and it sounds like he's going to get in front of coaches and impress them. If you believe the uh, the talk coming out of the uh, the Michigan men, he looks like a three years younger right-handed Michael Penix. Who who am I going to take first? He's such a better athlete than Michael Penix. I Is think because Michael oh. Penix throws pretty well on the run on the move too. That's what I'm looking at. I'm gonna have to disagree with you on that. The the I think he plays extremely stiff. Um, he has horrible numbers moved off the the spot as well. Um, and I think maybe the, it's a pressure thing because he threw some dimes down at the Senior Bowl when he was yeah. rolling. Yeah, maybe mm -hmm. it is. I felt like he take a little too many uh, sacks, and I also think that Texas game he played out of his freaking mind. But I go back and watch, you know, the uh, Arizona State game, uh, the Washington State game. Pressure and getting off the spot was poor. He looks like a pure pocket quarterback, and things can really devolve when he's off his spot. J.J. McCarthy is going to test well. I think uh, the comparison that I've seen now a few times with him is uh, Alex Smith in terms of being that good of an athlete. My, my biggest issue with McCarthy right now from a traits perspective is he's a little skinny. I wish he's a little thicker. Uh, but yeah, that, that, comes, that, with, that comes with time, too. Yeah, uh, I'm going to roll. There's some good conversations in here. I'm going to lead it with Jason, and I'm going to roll about three of these together. I might not show all of them, but I'm going to hit all these, and then we're going to get out of here. Uh, Jason says, can we please get a defensive end slash edge in the first round this year if they don't trade down, especially if he's from Alabama? Dallas Turner has been a very popular pick. There's some alliteration for you. Very popular pick for the Atlanta Falcons at number eight. Lloyd says, yep, Dallas Turner. Um, Albert Alberto Molina says, uh, morning, fellas, we need another top wide receiver to help Drake London, who you got. And that was followed up by, um, yeah, and see, that's why I'm not going to show them all. Um, need to get a, a wide receiver in the draft. It's not necessarily a bad idea. Frankly, you probably need to get two wide receivers in this draft. So maybe there's a, a three, you trade down and pick up a fourth and a fifth. I'm... Yeah, you need a wide receiver, and if you love the guy in the top, but this this is such a deep class. I don't mind waiting until the second round to get my receiver in there. Um, Especially because you don't need a wide receiver one. And I feel like I've been able to, yeah, and, and Nick, I feel like I've been able the last three years, just at the Senior Bowl alone, being able to pick out guys, whether it's George Pickens or Christian Watson or Alec Pierce that are productive wide receivers that I can get on day two um, just because it's so deep. Um so I don't know that I can get them anywhere. Um, 
JB. And, you know, he says Penix isn't great on the run. McCarthy's really good on – I think McCarthy's really good on the run. Um, but I did like I did like Penix watching him roll and throw both sides when I when I watched him live. Um, that's that's a different story than under pressure, that's for sure. Um, but what what really caught me was the arm strength when they when when Penix was rolling left and he let it go when McCarthy was rolling actually left or right and let it go. I saw very similar trajectories and velocity on that. So I think we are going to get out of here. Um, we went about an hour 10 on Wednesday, like we promised, after short Mondays. Nick and I will be back on Mile High Huddle, youtube.com slash Mile High Huddle, or Facebook the same way tomorrow doing some building the Broncos. And guess what? The Broncos need a quarterback too. So we'll talk a lot of draft. We'll talk a lot of quarterback because that's what you're interested in. And because of y'all, we follow what you do. Because of guys like Greg and Edward and Marco Z. And Rusty coming in a couple times. Keith and Ellen Johnson, Lawrence Rivera, and Rusty. We know what Rusty wants. Rusty, Drake Moore, he wants Drake May. Rusty, I just think he's going to be out of reach. I think he's going to be out of reach. I think you make the phone calls and you find out we just can't give up what it's going to take because the three teams that are going to be have the possibility to, to take Drake May, they need quarterbacks. And you're not going to be able to pay enough to get a team that needs a quarterback to not take their quarterback. Nick, we're going to get out of here. Hope you have a great day. Appreciate all of you for joining us today. If this is your first time here, hit that subscribe button. So many of you have. And uh, if it's also your first time, say hey in the comments. Uh, like hearing from you, saying that you found us. And uh, we like talking back. So on that note, we're going to get out of here. Thanks for being here, everybody. Y'all have a great football Wednesday. Peace.